It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host and super fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned my addiction into information for you. Each and every day, I'm going to bring you news, rumors, transactions, everything about the Cincinnati Reds. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, for today's Locked on Reds, I have with me a very special guest. He is from MLB.com and Reds.com. You know him as knowing way more about the Reds than I do. He is Mark Sheldon. Mark, thank you for joining me today, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jeff. I see a whole lot of snow outside my window, which does not normally portend that spring training's around the corner, but indeed it is. I was going to say, in terms of like Waffle House hash browns, are you smothered, covered, or just topped with the snow today? We're pretty covered. I, I would say, <laughs> I guess, nine inches. It's, uh, you know, I still haven't shoveled yet, so I have to get out there soon and work. But the, it's beautiful. I'm glad I don't have to drive in it. I'm, you know, I know I'm sure other people do, and we'll, uh, we'll make it work. Yeah, I had to help my wife shovel off the driveway about five o'clock this morning, so that was that was not a lot of fun. Um, let's let's talk about some baseball because, like you mentioned, we're coming into spring training. But I mean, you, you mentioned the snow and stuff, and and I wanted to touch on this because I've I've gotten the chance to talk with Jason Williams on the podcast before, and he had mentioned that you guys met in Minnesota. And in terms of snow, I'm sure this is like June up there. It's nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it, it, tell me a little bit about that time. What was, what was your favorite player to cover when you were a twins reporter? It was, uh, easily, uh, Torrey Hunter. Um, I kind of equate him to, in a lot of ways, the Bronson Arroyo of the Reds in sense of, you know, he was very intelligent speaking on issues that weren't just, uh, contained to the game, the week, the team, he could speak on a lot of things. He could understand the big picture. He understood the role of a player talking to the media, and he was always interesting. Tory did not speak in in cliche. He did not uh, shy away from a tough question. Uh, if he didn't like a question or he questioned your approach, he might ask you about it, but it was never mean or confrontational. He was always a, a very stand-up guy. Um I ended up starting at MLB.com the very first year is 2001. And I got to do it in Minneapolis and cover the team up there. And it was my first baseball writing job. I, I've loved baseball my whole life and I've loved writing, but never had I merged the two passions together. And, uh, and I got fortunate that I got the Minnesota the, the year before I got there, they had 69 wins and, and uh, they became a quasi contender in 01 under Tom Kelly in his final year. And then in 02, when Ron Gardenhire took over as manager, they won three straight division titles. I want to say Jason got there in 04, uh, maybe 05, but I think it was 04. And we kind of bonded quickly over. We didn't know each other in Cincinnati beforehand. And we, even though we knew a lot of the same people and worked in a lot of the same circles, but uh, 
what was what was interesting is we were at getting some post game pops at a location you know adjacent to the Metrodome, and we just got to talking. We both realized we went to UC and and uh, you know and then he started talking about covering the Bearcats for the Cincinnati Post and and we just bonded over that and 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 as it happened the very next day Bob Huggins got popped for a DUI in Fairfax. Uh, right outside of Marymount, and I was like, Jason, well, you know, we we and we were talking about that, and and it was uh, so we became really good friends, and then you know we started traveling together on the road, and and I got to know him, and we became very close friends. He also mentioned Tory Hunter as well as his favorite dude that he remembers from those days. What'd you think? I mean, obviously not getting too far down the rabbit hole, but what'd you think of his? Um, I forget exactly the percentage that he garnered for the Hall of Fame vote, but what'd you think about that just from his perspective? I think it's a nice honor. I think he did clear the 5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's a Hall of Famer, but he, tell you what, I wouldn't have overlooked him in a sense that he, for the time he was playing, especially in Minnesota and maybe a little bit in Anaheim, he was probably the best center fielder in the game defensively. Oh, and he yeah. for some power. I mean, I watched that guy lay out for balls that I just said, I thought he had no business catching. I remember one time, and I think it was like, Oh, two, he had dove on the, on the old AstroTurf. This is before field turf. So there was no rubber or anything underneath. It was just a carpet over a blacktop slid on it. And he hit the, the, the buttons on his Jersey melted a little bit and he lost some of the hair in his goatee. It burned off. And I just thought stuff like that. And, and some of the plays he made at the wall, he would crash into the, into the fence Certainly on a national stage, the the, the catch he took uh, from Barry Bonds in the, I think it was the 0-2 uh, All-Star game oh, yeah. in one he robbed Barry Bonds and, and then Bonds picked him up and put him on his shoulder. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I just think Torrey was a, a very exciting player to watch who, who came at the right time and, and developed because he was not a, he was kind of a failing prospect in a little bit of the ways uh, that before I got there that he hadn't really found his place yet. And I think he was one of those players that kind of came into his own at the same time as other guys like Corey Koski or Doug Minkiewicz, mm-hmm. AJ Przinsky and uh, Brad Radke and a few others. And it just seemed like they had a nice little run going. Unfortunately, they could never get past the mighty Yankees in the, in the playoffs. Gosh, it's it's fun thinking back on teams like the, back then, especially those twins, because they were a lot of fun to root for from a, fan, a Reds fan's perspective, because they kind of meshed a little bit with the small market idea and kind of competing with the big dogs in the AL. I know we're talking locked on Reds here, and it's weird we're talking so much twins, but I got one more question about the twins. Yeah. What was it like covering Ron Gardenhire? Where does he rank as far as managers that you've covered? He's up there too. I, I kind of equate him as very similar to Dusty Baker in the sense, I mean, Dusty is a, a different because Dusty could talk about any subject of, you just, he just seemed to know a lot of different things. And I'm not saying Gardy didn't, he was also very easy to speak to and, uh, and talk with. And uh, what, what, what really stood out is he liked to have a lot of fun with you. He wasn't afraid to you know challenge you if you didn't like what he was asking, but if you asked him something that maybe threw him off, he would, he would laugh and I, I earned the name from him.com because I would ask a, a, a dot com question, he would say. And, uh, you know, he liked to play pranks and he was just a he was a good guy. And I've, I've been lucky that uh, over the years since I've been in Cincinnati, he, he got back in the game with both uh, Arizona as a bench coach and then uh, with uh, 
Detroit as a manager. And I was able to check in with him once in a while. I hadn't seen him in years other than the winter meetings, maybe. And it, it was good to catch up with him. He's just a very nice guy, a good man. He, he always cared about his players and he was not afraid to, to do what it takes to, to protect them and, and, and look out for them. And, you know, he, he's definitely old school. I wouldn't say he's a, a, a more of the sabermetrics guys that we see uh, nowadays, but he, he really did uh, a good job with a team that quite honestly, in O2, I would not have thought was a playoff team going into the season. And I think he did a lot with a, a very small uh, price roster. I know. I know what you're thinking, Jeff. Hello. This is a Reds podcast. Why on earth are you talking about the Twins? Well, we're going to jump in to some Red stock here in just a minute. Before we do, though, I wanted to let you know that even though the Super Bowl has passed, you can still take advantage of an amazing offer at betonline.ag and make some money off of your sports knowledge. Head on over to betonline.ag right now and create your account. When you do, enter the promo code Locked On to get 50% more on your initial deposit bonus. When you go to BetOnline, they've got all the best lines. And as of right now, football has passed, but we're looking at basketball, college basketball, the NBA. Baseball's coming up. We've got preseason futures bets and things that you can make right now. But as of right now, it's just basketball. And I'm looking tonight at Rutgers and Iowa. Iowa has been abysmal on the defensive side of the ball. They're one of the best offenses in the country, but they are going up against a very stout defense in Rutgers. And I think that Rutgers offense can make up the difference. Right now, you're getting seven points for the Rutgers. I'm taking Rutgers plus seven tonight against Iowa. So head on over, take that you know, free money there and go over to betonline.ag, set up your account, enter the promo code locked on to get 50% more on your initial deposit bonus and start making money on your sports knowledge. Also, another tidbit of information for you, head over to rockauto.com for all the parts that your car will ever need. It's that time of year where your car is probably acting as if it needs a few repairs. Maybe you need some new brakes. Maybe they're getting a little squeaky. Check out rockauto.com. They've got every single part for your car. Even if you're not exactly sure how to find that part, they're very easy to use. You just see their drop-down menu on the left side of every single car company. Find yours, find your make, find your model. And it has a drop-down list of every single part for your car, from brakes to shocks to struts. They've even got mufflers, and they've got taillights. Check them out at rockauto.com. And when you're in the checkout section, in the How'd You Hear About Us area, type in Locked On to let them know that your pal Jeff sent you. Look, in this day and age, especially with all the pandemic and you've got snow on the ground, depending on if you're living in Cincinnati like me, you probably don't really want to leave your house that much. Rock Auto is going to deliver the parts right to your door go to rockauto.com and in the checkout section in the how'd you hear about us area type in locked on to let them know that jeff sent you rockauto.com has all the parts your car will ever need and before we jump into some red stock with mark sheldon i urge you you got to check out this brand new locked on podcast locked on Today, it looks on every single sports story going on around the sports universe. Hosted by Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers, he has hosts from all over the Locked On Podcast Network to come in and talk about those big stories, including big guests, all kinds of great stuff. If you are looking to be in the know at what's going on in the sports world, Locked On Today is the best place to be. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. That's Locked On Today. 
I, I really wanted to get your uh, perspective there on the Twins and covering them with Jason Williams and stuff like that. But let's let's actually talk about the Reds now. Everybody can start listening. Again. No, I'm kidding. Um, what overall through this offseason, what has just been your take on it? How do you view what the Reds have done this offseason? I know it's been very quiet, but we've seen a change in leadership in the front office. So what do you kind of view this as? I kind of view it as an extension of a very strange year in 2020, not just in pandemic, but also the season. Um, I was going to be surprised that the Reds had gone out and spent the kind of money they spent last year sure. coming off of a pandemic where no fans were in the seats, where they honestly had a really good team for the most part, at least on paper, but they certainly did not hit to their potential. And they, they it appeared they have a lineup and a pitching staff that was lined up to do better than, 22 scoreless innings in the playoffs. Yeah. But uh, I, I was a little caught off guard by the, I wasn't expecting them to add a lot of people, but I wasn't necessarily expecting a, a reduction of salaries. Um, I figured, okay, they, 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 uh, un, um, when they non-tendered Archie Bradley, that wasn't too much of a surprise, but I wasn't banking on them trading Racel Iglesias either. So that was a little surprising. And uh as a reporter who I didn't want to see another rebuild, I was relieved that it really did stop there. The, a lot of the other rumors had kind of followed like about Sonny Gray or Luis Castillo and Eugenio Suarez. I'm not saying they didn't listen, but at the same time, I, I, I never took those to be like, they're going to un, un, you know, tear up right. the and start all over again. It didn't make any sense to me. So I, I never got too worked up about the idea that this is a terrible off season. Was it, was it a good off season? No. But it's not the end of the world either that if you look at the team and some of the decisions they've made, they, they definitely made some opportunistic moves that they, they may be unearthing some people that you wouldn't expect to, to do things. And then we can probably talk about that later. But if you look at the lineup, these guys should be doing better than a 212 average and, and being, you know, lower middle to low on the run score. This is a team that should score and they have to figure it out. I'm with you. I mean, there's so many bounce backs that are on this roster and, and with the quiet off season, they're obviously kind of tipping their hand a little bit, thinking that most of those guys will bounce back. The one thing that they had said at the beginning of the off season was we're going to upgrade at shortstop. How close, which free agent were they closest on? Do you think, or, or were they not really that close on any of them? I couldn't tell you how close they were. I know they were in on the, the big three, mm -hmm. Gregorius, Simmons, and Semyon. But just looking at the contracts they signed, I think Semyon got a – did he get a one-year – 18. 18. Yeah. I, that's probably a little high in the Reds' realm. Uh, Simmons was $10 million for one year, and that seemed a little bit more in the, in, the, uh, in the wheelhouse for the Reds. And then Gregorius got 218, I think, right? Two, no, uh, 228. So he got – Yeah. You know, and then for the second year in a row, he he spurns the Reds for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you whether it was like down to the wire and just phone call back, you know, phone call back and forth trying to make this happen. Clearly, with the moves they made, they didn't get Jonathan VR, who now is with the Mets for three million. Uh, and now they got D. Strange Gordon, who's not a shortstop anymore, but he's only going to get one point two or one million. Mm makes the team and it just says where where they are on that they they don't want to spend a lot of money 
or spend a lot of uh, prospect capital if they're going to get Jose Garcia uh, around the corner. Maybe he's not ready to open with the team this year. Maybe he shows up later in the season. Maybe he's the opening day shortstop in 2022. But spending a gazillion dollars to get a stopgap or making a huge trade to get Trevor Story, let's say, or yeah. Willie Adamas in uh, Tampa Bay, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in the, in the, in the long term. It makes sense a little bit in the short term, but not in the long term. Sure. And, and that, that was kind of my next question was, do you see a trade is likely? Like I always kind of thought story was a pipe dream, even at the beginning of the off season, but like a, a Rosario Adamas does seem pretty expensive or I, I don't know, even like a, a, a Kevin Newman or something like that. Yeah, I, I definitely, I did a story a couple, maybe a week or two ago, looking at the trade possibilities and, and Ahmed Rosario seems to line up perfectly for them because He's expend. He was expendable the minute he got traded from the Mets because yeah. shortstop was traded with him, and Cleveland eventually will probably give the keys to that guy. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of money. He's still young. He's 25, and, and the Cle and the Cleveland's Cleveland needs a outfielder. And look at the Reds; they're overwhelming with they're overwhelmed with outfielders. So I, I feel like they can make a a move there without giving up a whole lot and getting what they need in return. Uh, you know, if, if, if Rosario is good for them and then they can keep him another year or they can non-tender him, he's only making two and a half million. It wasn't a huge investment. So I felt like, I still feel like that's a move they could make. Sure. Um, you know, other guys, like you mentioned, it just seems like it would cost a lot. Uh, Nick Ahmed also came to mind from the Diamondbacks and, but he's got two years and uh, several million. I think, I don't know if I forget the number. I want to say 18 or 19 million left. So maybe this is, I, I would, I would still think they could still do something, but it might be along the lines of a waiver wire kind of thing like they did or a, an unexpected signing like Jose Iglesias and Derek Dietrich or Scooter Jeanette were uh, a few off seasons ago. We still got that connection with Zach Buchanan. Maybe he can swing something for Ahmed or something. <laughs> yeah. I talked to him about Nick Ahmed and I saw a story. He did a story on the, uh, on the athletic and um, but yeah, I just, I guess it all depends on the money and what the budget is. We, you know, the Reds, the one thing the Reds still don't really do is they don't talk about their budget. And it's a lot of, it's a guesswork as far as what that magic number is and, and what, what Bob Castellini wants. So it's, uh, you know, they, they obviously jumped the budget up to, I think 126 million last year, which was by far a record. So oh yeah, came down a little bit, but they're still, they're still well over a hundred million, I think. Yeah. I, I think C Trent had put it at like 117 or something like that. So yeah, it's it's pretty close. And when I look at that, it, is there anything else that they're looking at right now, or is there anything in the pipeline, or is it pretty much, hey, we got the stuff on the truck, and if it's not a shortstop, it's nothing. It's what it seemed like. Uh, Nick Crawl yesterday seemed to say we're, what they have in house is what's going to be going for shortstop. And he mentioned Kyle Farmer. He mentioned Strange Gordon. He mentioned. Uh, Alex Blandino, uh, Kyle Holder, the Rule Five guy, I'm, and of course Jose Garcia. And uh, other than Garcia, none of those other guys are are real. I mean, I guess Holder's a, a defensive shortstop, and he's he's been well regarded with the Yankees, but none, none of those guys are established. Hmm. And any you know, I mean, Gordon is now kind of transitioned from shortstop to second base to utility, and he hasn't hit well. 
So I, I, I mean, he's established, but he's not a, a bankable everyday shortstop. So I, I think it's a tough situation. They kind of painted themselves into a corner somehow, and we'll see how they find their way out. I was kind of hoping that 2017 D Gordon walks through the door, but not expecting that unless he's got a time machine. That would be pretty cool. That's going to wrap up the portion of me and Mark talking about the off season, the, the moves that the Reds made, the moves that they didn't make. And if there's any more moves coming tomorrow, we're going to begin to look at storylines for this team. We're going to look at what's happening this spring, some things to look out for and some things to get ready for for the 2021 season with the Cincinnati Reds Ball Club. But that's going to do it for us today. The conclusion of my conversation with Mark Sheldon will happen tomorrow. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's episode, though. If you aren't already, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any part of this conversation. Also, coming up at the beginning of next week, I I mentioned it'd be later this week, but I'm going to push it to the beginning of next week going to have John Sadak on the podcast, brand new play-by-play voice for the Cincinnati Reds on television. He's going to join me to talk about all things, his career, and what he expects for his first year in the booth for the Cincinnati Reds. That's coming up at the beginning of next week. The best way to not miss any of this is to subscribe. And as we get into spring training, lots more content coming your way. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone for reactions, comments, questions, whatever you've got. 513-549-0159. But thank you all again for downloading and listening. And I will talk to each and every one of you, along with Mark Sheldon, tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.